I don't know uh, about you, but I have so enjoyed the children doing their little skits or whatever, um, telling the story of Jesus. It has just been a lot of fun and um, just really appreciate them doing that. It, it just kind of brings it alive in a new way when children are involved, and so that, that is a huge thing. Um, the story that we read today is not an easy story, but it's part of the Christmas story. It is part of just like the angels appearing and, you know, glory to God in the highest and on earth peace among men. You know, and all the, all the amazing things that happen from beginning to end, this is also part of the story. That a madman struck out at innocent life in some sort of horrific revenge because he wanted to be the king. Um, we know that um, the Magi... Uh, in, the, in the song, it's wise men, but we feel like uh, they were those that studied the stars. And they came, we think, from Persia. So we don't know that they're kings, but, you know, we can say wise men or smart guys or whatever you want to say for that. Um, they came in a caravan. Now, I don't know if you had company at your house for Christmas, and I don't know if you feel like they came in a caravan. But, um, you know, some, anyway, and I don't know if they brought you gold, frankincense, and myrrh. Um, but they came in a caravan, so it was, it was a parade, okay? It wasn't a small feat. And if you have camels involved, they are not the most, at least my experience, and of course I'm highly experienced with camels, but my experience is that, you know, they do not always do what you want them to do and all of that. So it was, you know, it was a parade. And coming into Jerusalem, they were looking for the king of the Jews, so they went to Jerusalem thinking he would be in a palace, but he was not. And Herod was in his place. And so Herod's concerned, all of Jerusalem concerned with him. And then he says, let me know when you find him. And it was through the star that they found where he was. The Bible also says we don't know how many wise men there were. We think three because there were three gifts. But we don't know how many there were. We know that they brought three gifts. Uh, very expensive gifts. Very expensive gifts. So I don't know if the people that came and parked in front of your house and stayed with you over Christmas brought you gold, but maybe that might be a suggestion next year. Uh, just a thought. Anyway, and maybe that would help deter, well, no, we won't say that. Anyway, um, so the wise men come and they worship Jesus at the house. They were not there the night that Jesus was born. They worshiped at the house. We know that he was a child. We don't know, we, we guess under the age of two because that is what Herod those were the children that he killed. Several things in this passage amaze me. The obedience of Joseph. You know, when God said, get up, he got up. And in the night, left and took his family to Egypt. It's interesting, uh, the obedience of the wise men. How, you know, they had the same direction from the Lord. And they were obedient and left. Now, you can't sneak out of town if you're a caravan, right? You know, I mean, I'm old. I'm not that old to actually have been there. But, you know, if you've got a bunch of animals and all of that, and of course they're quiet, right? So our best guess is that they had to leave in the night and go by another way, avoiding so that Herod wouldn't be able to see that they were leaving. Then he figures out that he has been tricked. And so he sends word to kill all of the children, all the boys under the age of two in Bethlehem. 
And, and that is hard to even comprehend that someone would be that jealous and that afraid and whatever, that crazy, that that would be what he would have done. But it's part of the story. And the very shepherds who heard the news from the angel were probably the ones who at least knew people or had family that were affected by what Herod did. So in the midst of incredible news and great light and joy for all the world, which is all completely true, there was also this place of grief and an incredible unfairness for children and their lives to be taken. I heard a uh, pastor one time say, when you begin to see uh, children in history, when you see a time like with Moses, when all the baby boys again we're being killed you need to look at what is about to happen in history you need to look at that and and see what you feel like is going on there because that's an important clue to that so the story is very critical for all of us to understand that even in times of tremendous light there can also be darkness and in times of what we know to be true and right and that is our hope there still can be things that are difficult when Doug called this morning, um, I pretended that I was awake. Have you ever, you know, had one of those calls? And so I was trying to talk like, yeah, you know, been up praying for hours. But I had not. Um, maybe if I had, I knew he was going to call, but no. Um, and, and he, you know, he was not, his eyes are great, uh, but he stepped off a curb or something and hurt his foot. Um, and I, we, now Dr. Doug feels like it is not broken. Dr. Doug feels like it's just sprained and it's not swollen and who knows. But in thinking about that, I would be, if I were Doug, I'm not Doug, I'm not the senior pastor, but if I had gone through all the eye stuff and seen double for months and now that was beginning to be okay and then I step off a curb and at the time I don't even feel it, but then later I can hardly stand I would be a little ticked. I would kind of be going, okay, I'm ready for things to be okay, and, you know, let's move on. There are things we have to do. So, um, so a couple of things I want to read to you. Chiv told me, he said, keep it short. That's all they'll remember. Like, <laughs> Chiv in, everybody. <laughs> No, well, actually, it's not this short. I'm sorry. <laughs> it's 11.01. Please note the time. We are going to be doing communion, but I wasn't giving you an introduction. Sorry. I'd I want to read you a couple of things. I asked Doug, did he, and I knew we, we talked on Friday, and he said, this is kind of what I'm covering. I really feel like God is speaking to me, and I know when God is speaking to someone, they need to deliver it. You know, I don't need to say, God told Doug to say. But um, one of the things that he commented on, he said the importance of hearing God's voice when darkness is threatening. That we press into God. When darkness is threatening, that we remember the light. And that that is our focus. 
that in the darkness the promises of God are still true. And then he said, I feel like God is calling us into our neighborhoods. And we need to listen. And I don't know about your neighborhood, but my neighborhood pretty much needs the Lord. And I would suggest to you all the neighborhoods around us need the Lord. Um, And we are those representatives. A couple of comments I wanted to make this morning, and then Chip can come up. Uh, New Year's Eve is always kind of interesting to me. I actually accepted the Lord at a watch night service at a little Methodist church in Cockrell Hill when I was 13 years old. Um, And New Year's Eve has always been interesting to me because, and I I don't care what you do on New Year's Eve, and I, you know, I really don't care. But when the year, when we had the, the celebration of the year 2000, and, you know, it started, and there was some concern about would computers just go completely nuts, and was it the end of the world and all that kind of stuff. I don't know if y'all remember, some of you were not born. But, <laughs> but you know, it starts like in Australia. And it's like, I feel like the world is trying to celebrate. For some people, they're trying to celebrate what they don't quite know yet. And they are yearning for a relationship with God, but they don't have it yet. And so they medicate with different things to cope but oh my goodness just like the wise men up here showed great joy you know (laughs) when they found the star and just like it talks about the shepherds with the angels and how they were filled with joy oh my goodness that is what we have when we light the advent candle one of the one of the candles represents joy And he's our joy. He's our joy. For us today in this room, you know, a couple of people are here that that were sick a couple of weeks ago. It's a blessing to know that Wes Trader's in the house, you know. And Mary Kay is in the house. And we are grateful that they are here. We have others that are struggling today and not feeling well. and, And some really sick. And we rejoice with those that are doing better, and we pray for those who are not. And that's kind of all part of the dance. That's kind of all what we're called to do. There's a very famous passage that John Wesley wrote in his journals about a New Year's Eve service that he attended in 1738. And I would love to say that I remembered it this morning, but my son posted it this morning, um, that someone else had, had remembered And so Wesley really struggled. He was an Anglican priest. He went to America to um, save the Indians, so to speak, to be a missionary. That didn't work out so well. Uh, He was interested in a young woman who was not quite as interested in him. And then she became interested in another young man, and Wesley didn't want to serve him communion. And that's kind of a problem, you know. Um, So Wesley decided he would go back to England, which was probably a good idea. And it was at that point that he was really understanding the Moravians and their love for God and how even during fearful storms, they were praising and worshiping and trusting God. And Wesley, in one of his journals, said, Oh, I went to America to save the Indians, but who will save me? And so it was in May of that year, as he was meeting with some of the Moravians and other people, he accepted the Lord, the very famous passage of where he says that his heart was strangely warmed. And he and his brother Charles had a real encounter with God 
about five days apart. And then in New Year's of that year, uh, a, a crowd gathered for a prayer meeting on Fetters Lane. And th these are the words of Wesley. About three in the morning as we were continuing instant in prayer, the power of God came mightily upon us, insomuch that many cried out for exceeding joy and many fell to the ground. His words. As soon as we recovered a little, sounds like the presence of the Lord fell. As soon as we recovered a little from the awe and amazement at the presence of his majesty, we broke out with one voice. We praise thee, O God. We acknowledge thee to be the Lord. This author goes on to write. On New Year's Eve, 1738, the Holy, Holy Spirit came to a 24-7 prayer room on Fetter Lane, London, triggering a great awakening that would change the course of British and American history. The abolition of slavery can be traced back to this moment, as can the first free schools, the first microloan schemes, and countless other transformational initiatives. John Wesley was launched out of that prayer room to ride more than 200,000 miles on horse, preaching the gospel. His brother Charles was inspired to write more than 6,000 hymns. Their friend George Whitfield was propelled from Fetter Lane to New England, where he stirred up the fires of revival alongside Jonathan Edwards, fraternizing with the founding fathers and preaching to incredible crowds. This was the birth of Methodism and of the Salvation Army and the spark that would re-evangelize the British Isles. On a night like this tonight, at the end of such a dark year, it is worth reminding ourselves that every great transformational movement of the Spirit is sparked in the first instance by a movement of prayer. Then he goes on to share a scripture. As we approach this new year, may we understand that our joy is in him. And I get it that your life may not be joyful right now. You know, you may not be telling jokes or whatever, but there's a difference in joy, in knowing who loves us and knowing who watches over us, and knowing who knows the next step. Our hope is in him. He is our hope. And just like as Doug was impressed to write down, the promises of God are still true even when the darkness is strong. He is our peace. He is our peace. Nothing else is going to bring you peace. He is our peace. And he is love. God is love. And we only know how to love because he loved us first. And we love in part. He loves completely. Robert posted this morning a passage uh, that reminded me about Kay Warren. She is the wife of Rick Warren, the guy that wrote a lot of books, and he's the pastor of the Saddleback Church in California. And it was over a year ago um, that their son, who had struggled with many things, emotional things, and who lived with them, uh, their grown son, uh, well into his 20s. They had been to church, and they had gone out to eat, and everything was fine. And then um, in their home, 
they realized he had taken his life with a gun. And the dad, Rick Warren, wrote, commented, he said, it was in a moment of temporary despair, he was doing fine. You know, I mean, they, they they knew the signals, they knew what to look out for. Uh, And yet this tragic thing happened. And she writes this. She's pretty much a rock star as far as I'm concerned. A year ago on December 30th, Kay Warren wrote a blog on experiencing the effects of suffering and her son's suicide in a world that is often so insensitive to pain. She writes and faces fears without compromising truth. She writes and faces pain without compromising hope. It's a beautiful read. And in the last paragraph is my very favorite. This is Robert writing. May these words bring needed comfort or strength for wherever you find yourself this January morning. Kay Warren writes, one calendar day, God knows when, everything painful and broken will end. The countless tears spilled through the millennia, the innumerable deaths, the immeasurable pain human beings have endured will finally reach their limit. They will end. The God who moved into the neighborhood and made his home with us will make everything new. Because of that, I will survive every calendar page allotted to me until calendar pages themselves are gone. And I find myself in that place of never-ending newness. She writes, grieving friends, hold on. What we long for is coming. Robert writes, may these words bring hope, hope to stand on. Hope to stand on and say, I will survive every calendar page allotted to me until the calendar pages themselves are gone. For what we long for is coming. I feel like this is a critical year for this church as as we have gone through a great deal of a variety of things. to renew our vision and mission of our neighborhood, the people that surround us, and how do we minister to them. I think it's a year of hope, and it's a, a year of peace and love and joy as we celebrate with the Advent candles. And there will be times of great victory, and there will be times of struggle. That's just life. At the same time, being very aware of the spiritual battle we're in and and spending the seasons in prayer that are required to hear God's voice so that, that if he speaks to us in the night, we recognize it and we move accordingly. With communion, we kneel at these rails and we receive what he became broken for us. And so whatever is your thing today, whatever is your struggle or your joy, your plans, whatever that is, I encourage you to lay it before him. A favorite passage of mine is, Isaiah 41, 13, and it says, For I am the Lord your God, 
In other words, like, I'm the creator of the universe. I'm the Lord your God who takes hold of your right hand and says to you, do not fear. I will help you. He is everything to us. He is everything. And whatever you struggle with, he can handle that. For us individually, for us as a church, as a city, he can handle that. What an incredible gift. What an incredible gift in sending his son to walk among us, to move into our neighborhoods, that we might know him.